So where did we leave things last episode? We spoke about my little journey with manifestation. And then there was a part in the episode where I said, hey, I could go off on a little bit of a tangent here. And I decided not to. (laughs) I also promised that I'd talk about the next time I saw my grandmother that passed away before I was born, right? Hello, hello. This is Lydia back in your ears again. You're listening to Psychic-ish, which is just my podcast for me to hear all the little psychic things that happen to me, how the little abilities have developed over time and that sort of thing. And you seem to get a little bit of a kick out of listening to it and I get a little bit of a kick out of sharing it. So here we are. (laughs) We've got a bit of a run on from last week's episode. I touched on manifesting a little bit and my reservations and my experimentation with it. And I actually have a little short follow. I actually have a little story I want to share because I'm not too sure if manifestation will ever come up again. So this little story comes back from when I was still living in Whistler with Daniel. I was on my way on the bus to come down to Vancouver to view some flats for us. But before I got onto the bus, I got a phone call from him. Now, if this is the first time you've listened to any Psychic-ish episode, all you need to know about my beloved boyfriend is that he doesn't really believe in any of this stuff. He's not dismissive of it. He just can't believe something until he's experienced it himself. And I really get that. I would be the exact same if our positions were switched. So I can't really blame him for that. But over the last few months, as I've started talking about like the little psychicish things that happened to me more, he's started picking little things up here and there. And I'm just seeing little, little shifts in his <laughs> way of life, you know? So I guess it's it's a good thing to mention as well that like we don't talk about this at all between us. Um, he finds it really hard to listen to, so he doesn't listen to the podcast either. It's just hard for him to hear the kind of stuff I go through. He doesn't like to hear about me suffering, especially the stories from me being a young child and being really helpless. He just can't handle picturing little Lydia with some scary things in the room, so... We do talk about it, but just more at a high level. And we, not going to lie, like we kind of dance around the subject. But as I've brought the podcast out and as I'm not able to really hide this stuff from our mutual friends anymore, it's not uncommon for friends to ask little questions if we're all hanging out together or out to dinner or something and then that kind of sparks a conversation sometimes Daniel will dismiss himself other times he'll just sit there really silent and listening and absorbing you know anyway as I said I was about to get on the bus from Whistler to Vancouver and I receive a phone call from my boy 
And I answered. I'm just like, hello. And he says, do you believe in signs? And I was like, you mean signs or science? Because yes to both. And and he was like, no, like signs from the universe. And you could tell like he was really... um, he wasn't really sure of what he was saying, I guess. And I was like, what's going on? Like, tell me what's going on. Basically, he's an avid fan of American football, NFL. And the night before, he'd asked to do some kind of trade in his fantasy football team. Now, this boy loves a bit of fantasy football. I think during this season, he was part of either two or three different fantasy football leagues. So he had three different teams and three different strategies or whatever. I unsubscribe to any NFL chat. (laughs) I'm not interested in it. And basically, he started telling me about how the night before, he saw an opportunity to trade some of the players on his team. So he reached out on one of his leagues to another person in the league. I'm not going to explain this very well because I don't really get it, but hey, and asked if this guy would be keen to trade players. And it was two specific players that he wanted to bring into his team and one that he wanted to send out. And this guy said, you know what, like, I'll, I'll think about it and I'll let you know. So I think they put a time frame on the trade offer. He goes to sleep, he wakes up and he's like, oh, I really do want to make that trade. And he opens up his little messenger app and he has a message from someone in another league of his asking for the specific player that Daniel wanted to get out of his team and offering up the two players he originally wanted in response. And so he called me and he was like, you know how I really don't like to make switches. I just get, I I feel too much pressure. If I make the wrong decision, then, you know, my season's impacted. Like he takes these things really seriously and he finds it really hard to take risk. So he called me to sort of talk through the weight of the sign that he received, you know, and whether he should go ahead with the trade. And I just kind of relayed back to him, you know, that he'd conjured up this trade that he'd wanted and it's being decided in one league and offered to him in the other what's holding him back you know like this is a pretty strong coincidence (laughs) like there's hundreds of players in the NFL teams you know like actual hundreds so it's pretty rare for this to happen and he was just like oh you know how I don't like to take risks and I was like okay well that's a pretty strong coincidence the fact that you even called me up and asking me about signs from the universe is a pretty big thing in itself so he ended up taking the risk I can't remember if it worked out in his favor, but I feel like I would have heard if it hadn't. So it's just really cute seeing those little things pop up for him. You know, it's like he's slowly starting to accept the stuff that goes on in my life and <laughs> and kind of welcoming it into his own 
as well, maybe. I feel like I have another example of him doing this, but there's only so much time I can take out of your day today, so I'm going to leave that there for now. It's probably been a while since you've thought about the grandmother that passed away before I was born. Hasn't been a while for me, but I'll bring you up to speed. So saw her for the first time when I was seven or eight years old. I was either just falling asleep or had woken up, raised my head, and there she was in black and white grayscale and standing in the doorway of my bedroom in her wedding dress and veil and she walked in, gave me a big old kiss on the forehead, turned around and watched me from my doorway until I fell asleep. And understandably, little Lydia was terrified. And then the next time I saw her was about two years later and I saw her face in the roses outside our lounge as I was practicing for an upcoming dance exam and then I also saw her face in the reflection of about 25 mirror stickers just on the desk in my room as I was trying to make my books pretty for the year. I was about 10 then, wasn't I? Yeah. So after that happened, I freaked out. I was screaming and my sister Soph, who you've met, comes into the room. She would have been 14 herself. And she's just looking up at the ceiling and she's yelling, leave her alone, just leave her alone. And so she does. She leaves me alone. Until (laughs) I was about 24. And that's what I want to talk about today. So we know all the interactions we've had with this grandmother up until now. Where was I when I was 24? I was still living in Wellington. I was still living in... Was I? Yes. I was living in that flat that I've mentioned on the terrace where I had a few... A few... Where I had many encounters with some spirits that weren't so nice. And Daniel and I had been together for about three years. We weren't living together at this point we were still like we're quite funny like we move really slow we're both quite commitment phobic but then we also just understand that in the other person and we really just want to be around each other and that kind of thing so we didn't push moving in together I really wanted to but I was just too scared that I'd be too much for him and it would push him away and for him like he had this one friend that he really wanted to live with Um, just kind of as a last hurrah before him and I moved in together. But I guess what happened in between is that that particular friend got into a relationship and moved in with his girlfriend. So (laughs) we ended up in a spot where he was living in Wellington in a suburb called Hitaitai, which is really lovely. It was about a 12-minute Uber ride from my place, But I can't lie, I wasn't a big fan of his flat. Wellington itself is very wet and damp, especially during winter. And he was living in a very cold, damp house. He 
got to adopt my dehumidifier while he was living there. And his room was, it was the smallest out of all three in the old little villa. And it just had one window at the end of the bed that would just look out onto a hedge, like a really high hedge. And so the place kind of smelled a bit musty. I don't know, I just never really liked it much. So we spent much more time at my place. He'd come over and stay with me a lot more. But it was actually quite a sticking point in our relationship because he w- he got a little bit upset. He's like, you know, I, I make so much effort to come over and stay with you. You don't make the same effort in return to come over to me. So I just was at a point where I wanted to show him that I could step up to the plate, you know, and I could go over because he would have been just as uncomfortable staying at my place than I was at his, if not more, because my place was even grosser (laughs) and he'd been there while I had psychic stuff happen. And yeah, so I can't blame him for wanting me to go over there a little bit more. I think the problem was I was just very stubborn and very particular around my own comforts. So I think my excuse was like, I get up in the morning and have to do my makeup and all that kind of thing. And it's just easier to do that at my own place. Anyway, problems of a 24 year old. (laughs) So we go to sleep one night. He has absolute blackout curtains in his room. His room only fits a queen size bed and a bedside table. There wasn't space on both sides of the bed. And I quite like to feel protected. I don't like to look at the doorways because of that grandmother, as you know. Um, So he would sleep on the outside next to the bedside table and I'd be sandwiched between him and the wall. Now, at this point in my psychic abilities, I would say I was definitely developing the clear audience side. So... As I was falling asleep at night, I was hearing spirits that wanted to come through and I was just starting to see the faces as I closed my eyes as well. And I'd actually say that was happening. I say that I was just starting to see them, but it was actually happening quite a lot. And I definitely could not control it at the time. So it was really tough, but having stand next to me, sleeping next to me, was probably the best thing for me. I mean, it was the only way that I was able to get to sleep at all (laughs) during the night. So I'm lying there one night. I don't know if Dan had been drinking or what, but he also developed a really intense snore while while he was living at this place. I think it could be aging, but who knows? It was really unbearable. So a lot of the time I'd lie there and it was like the sheets on his bed. <laughs> they were like, you know, those like satiny sheets. And I don't know. You know me. I don't, I'm, I'm a little bit weird. I'm a little bit strange. So texture is a big thing for me and satin sheets are just not it <laughs> for me. Anyway, lying there, he was fast asleep. I wasn't. And 
my memory is actually fading about this and it disappoints me a little bit. But um, I somehow see a woman, she's kind of floating in the middle of the bedroom wall that I'm looking up at or would be looking up at if my eyes were open. And what was different about this particular spirit that came through was that I could see her from head to toe. Up until this point, I'd only seen faces. So this was already like a bit of a new experience for me. And I just remember, like, I remember seeing her hair. It was kind of, I want to say like a 50s or 60s style where like the bits at the front are kind of as if they're rolled away from the face and then tied up in a little do at the back of your head. I'm, I'm twirling my hair and twisting it around, <laughs> even though you can't see it. Um, but I'll try and find a picture online and just see what I'm thinking about. I hope it makes sense. But I remember seeing her hair like that and then seeing her clothes and it being them being kind of reminiscent of the same time. And then I remember even seeing that she was wearing shoes. Like they were leather shoes. I can't remember if they were brown or black, but they definitely had a little heel on them. And she was holding a baby. And I was just kind of lying there looking at this woman, I don't think I was scared. And I didn't know who she was. But then I saw her eyes. She was looking straight at me. And they were big and they were blue. And I recognized the eyes. The eyes were those of my grandmother who passed before I was born. Here she is in front of me holding a baby and just giving me this knowing look, like this really knowing look. Oh, sorry. I just remembered a um, little piece of the story that I hadn't mentioned, but it will come out in due time. So I must have fallen asleep at some point and then I woke up in the morning and just immediately texted my mum and I remember where I was when I was texting her if you know Wellington at all if you know Arrow Valley I loved was it Arrow Bake there's this little bakery down in the valley there and they did these things called tomato rolls which are just like mini pizzas and far out they were good like I'd walk in and they'd know exactly what I was getting. People would get like one for lunch. I'd get three. So they'd always just put like three in a bag before I'd even close the front door. Anyway, I remember I was wait- making my way there and I was texting mum. And um, I went back in my WhatsApp history to find our conversation. So I'm just going to read you like the little back and forth that we had then. Okay. So this was on the 29th of May in 2017. Just bear in mind that, as I said, this memory is fading, so there might be some little details that I actually couldn't really remember that come through from this little conversation, okay? So I say, I had someone come to me at Dan's last night, and they weren't scary, 
but I just had a vivid head-to-toe image of her and it felt like I knew her from the 60s or something. Normally I only see faces, but I saw her whole body standing above the bed and felt her energy floating around the room. I just thought it must have been from a previous life, but I just had the brainwave that it was real. Ah, I didn't recognize it at the time. I'd only just realized as I was walking to the bakery. Okay, see, again, my memory is fading, but I'm glad I have these records. So I'd said, I just thought it must have been from a previous life, but I just had the brainwave that it was the grandmother that passed before I was born. And then I said, it was one of the clearest visits I've ever had. My mum replies a minute later, which is funny, like normally it takes a long while for her to reply. So (laughs) she must have been waiting for me (laughs) to text her at this point. She must have been waiting with her phone in hand. And she just says, wow, yes, it's her birthday today. And I just reply, oh my God, is it? And she says, yes, holy moly, you're so good at this. And I said, she was so clear that I still remembered her this morning and I normally forget. And I said, oh, wow. And then I said, I think she's been with me for the whole scan, scare, etc." And that's a little bit that I just said I remembered before. Um, so, where do I start? This particular grandmother, she passed away from breast cancer. She got it in her 30s and was fighting for the second half of her life. So she passed in her 60s. And let's just say that breast cancer is very prevalent on her side of the family as well as my mum's side of the family. And it's something that I'm very aware of. Growing up, because she was the only person that I'd known who'd passed away and I knew what she'd passed from, breast cancer was probably the scariest Thing imaginable to me and it kind of remains to be to this day and I'm also freaking terrified that because I'm so scared of it I might end up developing it you know um or even I just wonder if it's just inevitable and I'm kind of just waiting for the day where I find a lump. Um, And when I was 24, I did find one. And it was while I was at Dan's place. And I think those few weeks were like the scariest weeks I'd had up until that point in my entire life. Um, uh, I ended up going to see... um, a breast surgeon, the only breast surgeon in Wellington for an ultrasound because I was too young to have a mammogram. Very interesting side topic. The breast surgeon was very anti me seeing them. They don't do ultrasounds 
at all in Wellington. So this was like a special thing. He had to do it after work. So I had to go in at eight o'clock at night. And the whole time that I was there, like, I don't know, he just kind of made me feel like I didn't really have enough. (laughs) I don't know. He just made me feel like I wasn't supposed to be there. I was kind of making a mountain out of a molehill. Um, It was like he'd asked when people in my family had developed breast cancer at what ages. And I mean, the belief is that you're supposed to start getting scans five years before like any female in your family was diagnosed. And so I was 24. My grandma had gotten it in her thirties. So I thought I was being vigilant, you know, but I, he kind of made me feel like I was a bit of, I don't know, (laughs) bit of a tax, bit of a burden. Um, Anyway, while I was waiting in the waiting room, I felt really alone because, like, I didn't really have anyone in Wellington that I could kind of talk to about it. I was just so scared. I almost didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to make it real. But Dan knew, obviously, because he was with me when I found it. But I just remember taking this train out there and just like sweating the entire time. Like, you know, that saying that you're scared stiff. I feel like I was just a shell of a human going to that appointment. And I remember as I was in the waiting room, I can't remember if. Ah, no, I do remember. I was taking a short story writing course at the time, a creative writing course. And I thought that as I was waiting, because I got there about half an hour early as well, and so I just had to sit and wait and sit and wait. Um, I just thought I'd start writing a short story. And I ended up writing about that grandmother about the visitation that I had when I was young and her coming through to me. And I also remember in that story, just asking that she'd look over me for while, like the scan was going on and just with whatever could come. So I guess it was kind of like a reach out, (laughs) but that's always been what my writing has been like. Like my best writing has always come from some kind of avenue of grief like the best bit of writing I've ever done was me like writing directly to my granddad and I read it at his funeral um oh yeah anyway I'd I'd asked her to just look over me and protect me at that time and then I went in had an ultrasound they found it and I had about three biopsies taken I think and then they don't give you the results for about two weeks and they say they'll call you and I remember I was at that contact center job and I saw the number coming through and like (laughs) you know I've had panic attacks right so I was on the phone to this customer who was about in his 80s He was having a real trouble with his account and we'd been on the phone for about 20 minutes and I just see 
the number calling me with my results. And I just feel like my head just start shaking. Like it's like my spine and my head were just vibrating. Like it was just the most bizarre feeling. It's like, because normally when I get panic attacks, I shake all over, but this was just my head. And I don't know if it was because like I, I had to stay composed. I had to follow through with this call and then I could run out and just give the clinic a, a call and see what my results were. It ended up that they were okay. It's what's called a, what is it? God, can't remember the name of it right now. Oh, I can't remember. It's it's escaped me. Um, but it is just it, it is a lump, but it's of ah oh, fibroendinoma. It's a fibroendinoma, which is like a it is a lump. It's it's not cancerous, but you are asked to keep following up on it every year and after you have the biopsy you have to have another biopsy in six months just to make sure that it is in fact a fibroendinoma and not anything worse so I got that result I was very relieved and then now like I only go up to um, a breast physician who is very close to the family I've got very close family ties in Auckland. So if I have to do another biopsy or have another check, I go home for that. And then I'm around my family and I'm not alone. I probably should have done that in the beginning. But <laughs> hey, anyway, I've got very sidetracked there. Go get your breast checked no matter what age and you're not a burden no matter who you go and see. Anyway, I'd said to my mum that me seeing her was so clear that I'd still remembered her that morning and normally I forget details about who I see. And then I said, I think she's been with me for the whole scan scare, etc. And mum just replied saying, yes, she'd be very sympathetic and I know she loves you. I'll tell you why when you're up. And a little angel face. And then she said she was a very lovely lady. And I said, when I got the message it was her birthday, I saw her smiling. And then I, then I said again, I think she's checking we haven't forgotten about her. <laughs> and then my mum said, that's lovely. I'll never forget her. She was a very fair lady, very strong and moral I'm so glad she's around you, Liddy, and hopefully all of us. And I said, I think she's around us women. And then my mum said, yep, she was almost a feminist. <laughs> almost. <laughs> totally into women's rights. And then I replied saying, and she came to me as a younger woman, like 20s to 30s. That's how I didn't recognise her at first. I thought she was maybe me in a previous life, but it was her blue eyes that stood out to me. And my mum sent a little angel emoji. And I said, she is an angel. <laughs> and then my mum said, yep. Do you think it was her when you were little? And I replied, it definitely was. She was my first visit, but it was her in her wedding gown. She visited me a few times there, but I was scared and have not felt her since. Ever. And my mum said, wow. <laughs> and I added more detail. I said, 
This time it was her face from another framed photo at Popper's, but I saw her whole body standing up, even her shoes. Oh my gosh, I'm actually seeing that photo now in my mind. Um, Wow, I, I haven't remembered it until now, but I see it very clearly. It's very lovely. Oh, sorry, I got sidetracked again. So I said, this time it was her face from another framed photo at Popper's, but I saw her whole body standing up, even her shoes. I've only ever seen people's faces. She told me before that I'm what most women aren't, empowered and enlightened. Like I had the ability to see her, which is a massive gift. And then mum said, holy moly, that is so her. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And I said, really? Must have just been like the tone, like, and even the vocabulary saying like enlightened and empowered. It must have just been language she used to use. And then I remembered about the baby. So I said, there was a baby with her too. And mum just didn't, I think the conversation ended there. Or maybe we go into a bit of info that I'm just like, it's not related. (laughs) So I'm just thinking now, I think this needs to follow on into the next episode as well. But the whole reason that this experience was in my train of thought was that I talked in the last episode we had about creative writing as a child and that I'd sit and I'd write to higher powers to protect me and look over me. And I'll never talk about what happened in my childhood on here, um, but it was pretty rough. And I just remember, like, there's this really vivid memory I have of my childhood, and I was sitting at the end of my little single bed with my back against the bed frame. We must have moved my bed around the room because it was kind of like up right next to the window that I had looking out into the garden instead of my feet facing the doorway. This makes no sense to you, but basically just after that first visit from her, we changed my bedroom around so that I didn't have to look directly at the doorway every night. But I remember I was sitting in that little spot and I had my diary open in front of me. It was this A4 sized pink diary with Winnie the Pooh on the front and a little bit of blue lavender. And I remember sitting there writing a letter to this grandmother. I was too scared to use her name. And the funny thing is when she became a grandmother, she didn't want to be called Nana or Grandma or anything like that. She just wanted to be called her first name. I don't know. I think it's quite cool. Like she was too cool to be a grandma, you know, like that sounded too old and dowdy. Like she was very fashionable and very poised. So she was never a grandma, you know. (laughs) Anyway, I, I sat down and I started writing this letter to her in code. And I remember I called her Nonna. And I was too scared. Like, I didn't want anyone to pick up my diary and be able to read what I was saying. So I I wrote in columns, like I'd write one word and then go down the line and write the next word and down the line and write the next and just do that with about four columns on the page. And like looking at now, I'm just like, that's so cute. Like, there's no way that would have fooled anyone. You'd just read down and then keep reading across kind of like a snake. But hey, to 10-year-old me, it made sense. But 
I wrote to her that day and I, I asked if she was out there for her to please like protect me and look over me. And the sad thing is I can't remember if I asked her that before I saw her face in the roses or I saw her face in those reflective stickers behind me. So I don't know if things were bad and I reached out to her to like just protect me. I didn't mean come and visit. I just mean like protect me from wherever you are. So I don't know if her coming through and visiting was kind of like her way of showing me that she was there and protecting me. Or I don't know if I was asking her to look over me after that stuff had happened. And it's just kind of reflective of like how bad things were and how much I needed to have some kind of support that I reached out to the one person that I was godly terrified of but knew that they'd have some kind of pull or love from above that they could send out and and make sure I'm okay. And honestly, like, I don't know which scenario is more heartbreaking. But I do think, um, I definitely feel like it was an answer, like, she came through as an answer to my letter. She saw me writing it. She's probably there while I wrote it. <laughs> and, um, she came through and then when I had that scare with the lump that I found that she came through then too and just let me know that I wasn't alone that was another long episode today thank you for hanging in there I loved having you here <laughs> I'll have a question box open on the Instagram at Psychicish Podcast tomorrow just for you to share any questions you may have from today's episode or any similar stories or just any thoughts you have left over. If you love the podcast, I need to figure out something new to say at the end here because I'm just like, this is like the 30th, 31st episode. If <laughs> if you enjoy the episodes, you would have sent them to people you love already. But hey, if you haven't, this is your sign. Go out and, and do it today. <laughs> I'm being bossy. <laughs> anyway, best of luck getting to sleep tonight. You're a woman. Go get your boobs checked. I'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.